I'm sharing with you about my past, and I'm not uh, sharing at all how bad I was. I don't even go into a lot of the details uh, because I'm not here to tell you how bad I was. I'm here to tell you how God, good God is. And, but I want you to understand that um, uh, God can get you out of the mess you're in. Because when you understand a little bit about the mess I was in, you think, man, <laughs> if God can do it for him, he can definitely do it for me because I wasn't near that messed up. I remember one time at a habitation service, by the way, habitation's tonight. It's our prophetic presbytery Sunday through Wednesday, and it'd be all the different campuses. So whichever campus you're attending, uh, when it comes to your campus, please, please attend. But I remember one time Steve Doolin was sharing, and he said, I have a real bad, bad past. He said, it's not as bad as Pastor Roberts. I thought, thanks, Steve. Um, but I've shared with, um, of course, my wife knows my past. And then as our children got older, I shared uh, my past with them. I didn't want to hide anything from them. Uh, and then sometimes uh, they'll joke with me, you know, about my past. And uh, my, my daughter did that. She's 24 now. She's the one that's uh, pregnant. Uh, but she, uh, when she was 16, she was studying for a driver's exam. And uh, they were in the kitchen at the table there, and I was in the living room, and I heard them. Debbie was quizzing her. And so Debbie asked her this question. If you get pulled over for a DWI, will they A, make you close your eyes and touch the tip of your nose with your finger, B, walk a straight line, C, take a breathalyzer test, or D, all of the above? My sweet 16-year-old daughter said, ask dad, he knows. <laughs> so that's why I'm preaching on rejection today. Uh, no, I, I, we're, we're all born with rejection. All of us are. All of us experience it uh, to certain depths, to certain degrees. You've experienced this, and I know you have. Here's the reason, and let me explain it to you. It's because we were all born rejected by a holy God. Now, that doesn't mean that God wanted to reject us as people. It means that because we were born sinners, we were separated, would be a better word than rejected. We were separated from God. So we were born with this sense of separation, this sense of abandonment, this sense of rejection. The great thing is we can be born again, accepted, is what the Bible says. Let me show you a few verses. Uh, 1 Samuel 15, 23 says, because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you. Hosea 4, 6, because you've rejected knowledge, I also will reject you. Genesis 4, 7, God said to Cain, this is before he killed Abel even, if you do well, will you not be accepted? Now, here's the only problem with that. We couldn't do well on our own. We could not do well. So that's why God sent his son, Jesus. And then when Jesus comes in Luke 4, 19, the first sermon he preaches in his hometown, he says one of the reasons he came is to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. It is now the acceptable year of the Lord. We can now accept God and God can accept us. Second Corinthians 6, 2, for he says, in an acceptable time, I've heard you. And in the day of salvation, I've helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And Ephesians 1, 6 says, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. We can be accepted in the beloved. Well, again, I grew up never feeling like I fit in. I grew up, I just feel with just this tremendous sense of rejection. And I'm going to share with you a little more next weekend of why I, I, I felt I had such a rejection problem because it fits into the message more next weekend. 
but I just grew up always thinking I was different looking. I, I, was, I was goofy looking. Uh, I had an accident when I was three years old and my two front top teeth went into my bottom lip and lodged in my bottom lip and they had to be surgically removed and then I had a lot of scar tissue so my lip was much larger than it should be. Later they went back in and removed scar tissue. I never thought they re removed enough, uh, you know, because I just always felt like my lip was big. I remember when I joined the band, the, the band director said, just looked at me and said, wow, with those big lips, you can play the trombone. <laughs> I remember thinking, yeah, and with those big feet, you ought to be a good dancer. You know, I didn't, I didn't know what, how to respond, <laughs> you know, to that. I was just a kid, you know. But I always felt like my lip was too big, and, and, I, and I was real skinny when it, growing up. I have overcome that. But I felt like you know, if I turned sideways and, and stick my lip out, it looked like a zipper. You know, I just, I just, I just, I, I just, I don't fit in. I'm goofy looking. Can anyone here relate to this? I'm, I'm goofy. Everyone, no one else is goofy. I'm, I'm goofy looking. I'm goof, goofy sounding and talking. When I was uh, young, I could not pronounce my R's. I had to go to speech therapy for the first two years of school. Uh, and you know, if your name is David Smith and you can't pronounce your R's, well, big deal. But when your name is Wabut Mois, <laughs> it's not that funny. <laughs> you know, thank you for laughing there. I, I've gone, it's okay, it's all right, I've been through therapy. Uh, but you, and when you move to a new school and everyone's asking you your name and you can't pronounce it. And then every day during coloring, they would come and they would get me. They would call me to go to speech therapy, and so I'd leave during coloring. But I was like, again, I'm the oddball. Everyone else can color, but I can't color because I'm, I'm the different student. I'm the, I'm the freak. I'm the, I'm the oddball here. And, and so I never really learned my colors. And then kids would make fun of me because I would call a color a different color. I've, I've learned I also have some color blindness. You know, I didn't think I did, but as I've gotten older, I realize I do. I, my, my wife lays out my clothes for me. That is the truth. What she, if you like what I, what I wear, thank Debbie. And uh, I, I remember one time she was away on a women's retreat and she forgot to put my clothes out. So I picked out what I thought I was going to look sharp, you know. And as soon as I got to church, one of the other pastor's wives saw me and she said, Debbie out of town? <laughs> just rejection. You know, just, just, never mind. But you just kind of feel that way, and I felt that way growing up. And, and, uh, and then, uh, you know, after coloring, then the next thing uh, was uh, after I'd, they'd come get me during coloring class, never really learned my colors. I just, I just always felt, you know, rejected. And, and this carried on in my life. You know, Debbie and I got married before I was saved. And um, when we got in a lot of arguments because I, I just felt like she was rejecting me. If she disagreed with me, to me, that was rejection. I would say, you know, we could, we could do this. And she'd say, or we could do this. And if she didn't say, yes, that's a good idea, if she didn't validate me, if she didn't acknowledge my idea, I felt like she was just saying, yes, that's very stupid, but we could do this. You know, you know what I'm saying? I took it personally. Have you ever, come on, have you ever known anyone like this? Don't raise your hand if you're sitting beside them, all right? But we, it, it just, this is the way we are. We just feel rejected. We feel like we're, we're different. There's something wrong with us. Here's, here, here's the reason we feel that way. There is something wrong with us. We have a sin nature. And God wants to redeem us. 
He wants to accept us in the beloved. And, and so uh, when you talk to someone who, who has severe rejection, now, I remember this guy trying to help me, <laughs> and he gave me a book called Dealing with Rejection. You know how that made me feel? <laughs> I felt so rejected. <laughs> you know? Yes, thank you. Thank you for the book on rejection, you know. But I knew he was trying to help me. But, but the, when you talk to people who have rejection, you, you, you just you, you sense that. And, and people who have rejection, they, they have defense mechanisms. They, they, they will be uh, many times very manipulative. Many times, the people who have the rejection the most are the people who seem the most confident because they've tried to, they appear to be very confident so people won't reject them. Uh, and the, many times they have a problem with pride and arrogance and yet insecurity and inferiority at the same time. They brag when they get around you. So when you try to correct them or speak into their life, they feel you're rejecting them so they, they, they fight back and, and they'll just chew you out. They've gotten really good at chewing people out. And they'll chew you out uh, so effectively that it makes you feel like I, I, I just, it's just not worth it. It's not worth it to try to confront this person. And so they, p- people quit confronting you. And you think everything's fine, but everything's not fine. You're, you're breaking relationships all around you. And I did this for many years. There are other people that when you confront them, they, they, just, they just break. They just start crying and they, they just, you know, and they, they tell you, you just, you hurt me so much when you told me that. You just hurt me. What they're telling you is, don't ever do this again. Don't ever confront me again because it hurts me too badly when you do that. And please hear me. The, the, only, the only cure for rejection is to be accepted by God. And the only way you'll ever be accepted by God is if someone confronts you with the truth that you need God. You need God. And you can be healed by this. So because of this rejection, I, I, I tried to get involved in things. Um, and and, and I, I would... Um, do something and I could do it well. I did a lot of things well, but I wouldn't do them very long. Uh, I started playing the drums when I was young. And um, uh, I was playing the drums for the youth group when I was still in elementary school. I was already playing the drums for them. So when I went to band, that was the thing where they said, well, you'll play the drums. I said, I don't wanna play the drums. And that's when the guy said, well, because you're big lips, you know, you can play trombone. So I started, my parents said, we can't play trombone. You never played it before. So it was a challenge. So I learned to play the trombone in one weekend. I went back for tryouts and I, was, I made first chair trombone. Well, as soon as I made first chair, I was tired of it. I was bored with it. So I said to the band director, I don't want to play trombone. Uh, he said, well, we need saxophonists. Can you learn the saxophone? I said, yes. So I went and learned the saxophone, came back, became first chair at saxophone, and then I quit, quit the band. Um, and then I joined the basketball team, made first team, quit the basketball team. Joined the track team, was the fastest, we did a race, I was the first fastest man on the track team, and I quit track. And, and the reason I did is because I was afraid that one day I might not be first chair, I might not be the fastest, and, and I couldn't take it. It'd be rejection. And I, did, I, I, did, I couldn't verbalize any of these thoughts, but looking back over my life, I realized why I quit so many things once I got to a certain level of success, because I realized, well, what if I fail? What, what, if I, what if I'm not successful? What if I'm not the fastest guy? And I just can't take that. I can't take that rejection. So my whole life was trying to get acceptance. So when I got into junior high, I noticed some guys that were, I thought they were tough and cool. And I started smoking cigarettes. And then I started drinking. And then I, uh, it was very prevalent when I was growing up. And then I started doing drugs. And the problem was that I couldn't stop. I started doing more drugs. And I was very, uh, this was in my early teens, 13, 14, 15 years old. I got very lethargic about school. But all this time, you have to remember, I'm going to church. I'm going Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. 
I'm going on all the youth trips. I'm going on all the youth camps. I'm going on all the youth retreats. And uh, I can remember some youth camps that uh, we had a great youth pastor. And he always came up with these ways to try to get us to make commitments to God. And if you've ever been on youth camp, you know, there's normally a night where everybody gets right with God. I mean, everybody's crying and, you know, we're going to go win our school, you know, and, and nothing really changes. But, you know, we just all, you know, you remember that? And so, so I, I can remember uh, those, those nights, you know, and our youth pastor came up with these great things. Here's the problem, though. It, again, it seemed like I was the oddball. It seemed like something always happened. It never worked for me. And uh, I just felt like I was the goofy kid. So I remember this one time on youth camp, the youth pastor said, okay, I want you to go out into the woods and I want you to find a piece of wood, a stick, bring it back. We're going to have a bonfire. We're going to throw the stick in the fire representing our lives that we are going to be hot for God. We're going to be on fire for God. We're going to burn up for God. We're going to say, this is my life for God. You know. So I went out in the woods and, and found this stick Tried to find one that I thought, man, this will be, you know, the best stick. This will be the best stick. So I found this really good-looking one, you know, and I came back. Everybody was doing it. So I went up there, and I said, this is my life for God. I threw my stick in the fire. It hit another stick, rolled down the hill into the lake. <laughs> and it, it seems, in, in every youth group, it seems like there's a, a commentator, is what I would call him, you know? Someone that just talks incessantly about everything that's going on. This guy seemed to always just follow me around. I mean, I, you know, he said, oh, Robert, look, your stick fell out of the fire. Oh, it's going down. Oh, your stick's in the lake. Hey, Robert's stick went in the lake. <laughs> Robert's uh, life for God is in the lake. <laughs> so, you know, I'm going to leave it there. You know, and the youth pastor said, no, no, go get it. You know, come do it again. You know, he tried to help me. And so I went and I got my stick, you know, and I came back and I saw this place where I thought, oh, this is a good place. It couldn't fall out. It's, it's just a, you know, real thing. So I put the stick right there. I just kind of placed it in. And it just seemed like it was a, a prominent place, you know, uh, in, in, the, in the fire. And, but the problem was that my stick didn't catch on fire. All the other sticks, you know, were burning. And I saw them, I'm thinking, you know, it must be, you know, that it's wet. That, that must be what it is, it's wet. And the commentator, you know, he says, you know, your stick's not on fire. Uh, all the other sticks are on fire. But yeah. Did y'all notice Robert's stick's not on fire? You know, and, you know, so I just, it is. <laughs> so then, listen, the, this is, my wife was there. Okay, she, she was laughing so hard yesterday in the service because she just remembers this. The fire burned completely down and my stick was still there. And the youth pastor went up and looked at it, and he realized, he said, Robert, uh, this is petrified wood. <laughs> so out of all the sticks, you know, I get the, okay, so, so that's that year. So the next year, he comes up with this other thing. So he, he brings hundreds of these banana, Dairy Queen banana split, you know, containers. You know what I'm talking about? Yellow and like just stacked up like a little boat. And the youth staff had sat around and they'd taken some wax and they poured it in and then they stuck the candle in there in the Dairy Queen banana boat, split boat. And, and then we were supposed to light the candle and then carry it down to the lake. I uh, said, so, you know, this is my life for God. And then we're gonna, you know, set it in the lake, you know. So I, I get this candle, you know, I go through the line, they hand me one, you know, uh, but my candle keeps going out. It's like uh, the real small wick on it, you know. 
and I'm, I'm you know, carrying along, and, and, and my candle goes out, but I don't want to say anything, so I just kind of keep going. Well, guess who's behind me in line? <laughs> yeah, the commentator. So the commentator said, wait, wait, everybody stop. Robert's life for God burned out. <laughs> so, you know, you just, so everyone stops, the whole youth group, they come, they light my candle, you know, I'm walking along, it goes out again. Well, I don't, I, I don't want to stop, you know, so, and I know I shouldn't do this. I know this sounds disrespectful. I just pulled my cigarette lighter out and held it up. <laughs> this is my life for God. <laughs> so we get down to the lake, and then I'm thinking, okay, I realize what we're going to do now. We're going to launch these little boats, and my candle will be the only one that's out. So while the youth pastor's talking, uh, it's a horrible, but... Uh, you know, I had my cigarette lighter, you know, but I also had my switchblade knife. Now, switchblade is completely illegal. You know, you can't have a switchblade. I, I bought it on a youth mission trip to Mexico. <laughs> I actually bought five and sold four, so I was a good steward even back then. Uh, but, <clears throat> so I pull my, you know, switchblade knife out, and I'm trimming the wick so that my candle won't go out. But, and Debbie tells me I do this this day. I kind of overdo things. You know, yeah. I just do it too much, you know. Because when I, then I, you know, I lit it, you know, with my cigarette lighter. Well, everyone else is, you know, their flame's about like that. My flame, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know, <laughs> it's just burning, you know. So, so anyway, we go down to the lake, and this is my life for God, you know, and we put a little boat in. Well, I'm like the last one, and, and all the boats, on the other side of the lake, there was this cross, and the, the youth pastor had, had lighted it, you know, and it had these lights on it, and, it, and all the boats started going toward the cross. And I remember thinking, this is the greatest youth pastor in the world, you know? <laughs> I don't know how he made that happen, but, you know, I guess just the wind was kind of blowing that way, but... Now I start something, you know, God, please, if you've ever helped me, help me now. Please, God, you know, and I'll live for you. I promise if you just, if my boat, my Dairy Queen boat will go toward the cross, Lord, I promise I'll live for you. I'll quit smoking as much, you know, and I'll just, you know, just, you know. So I go up, my flame, you know, is like, you know, so uh, I said, this is my life for God. Please go toward the cross, you know. So I push it like this, and when I push it, it turned like that. And it started going this way. Whole youth group sent a commentator, you know. Robert, your boat's not going toward the cross. You notice that? Uh, everybody else's boat's going toward the cross. Your boat's not going toward the cross, Robert, you know. So, so the youth pastor is standing on the shore. This is the lake, you know. He's standing on the shore. He's talking to us, facing us. We're all sitting there, the whole youth group, 100, over 100 kids probably. And it's all you can see. You can see all the boats going toward the cross in this one boat. You know, going like this. And then I'm telling the truth. My, my wife verified this story last night. I guess because I had pulled the candle out and put it back in, I guess it didn't stick. The candle fell over, <laughs> caught my boat on fire. <laughs> it burned and sank. And the commentator commentated the whole, oh, oh, oh your candle fell over. Oh, oh, your boat's on, oh, it sank. Your, your boat sank, Robert. So I'm just telling you, you know, some humorous stories rather than in some of the hurtful, bad stories, you know. But I always, I just never felt like I fit in. And, and I was always offending people. I was always hurting people's feelings. 
Uh, can I just say something about this? Because this is what happens with rejection. Hurt people hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. Uh, let me say it another way. Offended people offend people. And I was always offending people. I, don't, I didn't know it then, but what I was doing was I was trying to reject you early in the relationship before we got to be good friends because I just figured eventually you're going to reject me. And so if I go ahead and reject you now and then you reject me now, then, then it won't hurt as much when you do. I was, I was scared to death when, when I fell in love with Debbie. I was so scared because I knew one day, one day she'll reject me. One day she'll leave me. I just, I had such a deep sense of rejection. And I remember in that motel room with that evangelist that was trying to help me and trying to, to mentor me in some areas. And he was asking me about, are you sure you're saved? I know you walked the aisle when you were young, but you've, got, you've been involved in so much sin and, and, and you've got such a rejection problem. And he was talking to me about this. He said, do you really know what it means to be accepted by God? Do you really understand to be forgiven that God loves you? And he was just foreign language to me, the things he was saying to me. And he, he, he said, Robert, maybe I'll, I'll, this is what brought me to Christ. These, this last statement that he said, he said, Robert, maybe you've never laid your rejection on the cross. And thankfully, I was under so much conviction that I said to him, I don't think I've ever laid anything on the cross. And that's when I gave my life to Christ. And I, I knew that I was tired of living that way. I knew I was tired of always being afraid that someone wasn't going to love me or wasn't going to accept me or wasn't going to reject me. And when I gave my life to Christ, I knew that God accepted me, that he loved me. I remember a few years later after I got saved, I remember I'm going to tell Debbie everything about my past. I'm going to open up with her and tell her everything. And we sat down one night and I told her, I said, this is everything I've ever done that nobody knows about. This is how bad I really am. And I remember at the end of it, tears in her eyes, she said, I still love you. I still love you. And the next morning when I woke up, I woke up happy. I was so happy. And it was like the Lord, you know how he kind of puts impressions in your heart, speaks to you? The Lord said to me, why are you so happy? I said, don't you get it? I said, there's one person. There's one person that knows everything that I've ever done bad and still loves me. And the Lord said to me, just one? He said, son, I know everything you told Debbie and everything you forgot to tell her. I know it all. Not only do I love you, I died for you. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And the re- I, I, I'm asking everyone, every campus, and if you're in an overflow room, I'm so glad you stayed even though there wasn't room when you got there in the main auditorium to the campus you're attending. I'm so glad you're here. But here's the re- let me just let you know, I'm asking you to close your eyes just so you can have a private moment with God. No, I'm not trying to manipulate you or play on your emotions or anything like that. I just, I just want you to be able to have a, a moment with God. That's really what church is. Church isn't about whether the music was good or we liked the teaching or not. It's that we had an encounter with God that day. So I want you to just have a moment with God. Every person, 
Everyone. I don't want to know if there's some of you here that relate to what I was saying. You feel like that's me. My whole life, I felt like the outcast, the oddball. I've just, and I'm tired of it. I wanted to be accepted and I've, I've, I've just, I, you know, people, and, and, you, and there are a lot of men this way. This way. They don't, everyone would think you're the tough, cool guy that's got it all together. But you know how you feel on the inside. I, w- I want to help you. I want to help you today. I'm asking you if you've ever laid everything on the cross. And that's what I'm asking you to, to do at, at every campus right now. If you want to give your life to God, really give your life to God, give everything to God, lay everything on the cross, I want, I want to help you. I want to help you by simply leading you in a prayer. As I pray out loud, I'm just asking you to pray in your heart. God can hear your heart. And just, just in your heart, I want you to give everything to God. If you're sick of it, you're tired of it, you're ready to give him everything. As I pray this prayer, you just repeat it in your heart. Just tell, just tell God this right now. Just tell him. Just say, dear God. Just tell him that in your heart. Just say, dear God, I ask you to forgive me for all of my sin. Tell him that. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sin. And I receive Jesus today as my Lord and my Savior. Won't you tell him this? Say, Lord, I give you everything today. I lay it all on the cross. Now, again, no one's looking around. This is because I want you to be able to have this private moment with God. Every campus, though, no one's looking around right now. If you prayed that prayer right now and you just gave your life to the Lord, would you just let me and let God know it? Would you just raise your hand where I can see it? Put it way up high. You ought to be proud to put it up. That's the best decision you ever made. Put it way up high. Way up high. Come on, especially men. Don't, don't be embarrassed. Put it way up high. Way up high. Balcony, every campus. God bless you. God bless you. You can put your hands down. Now, listen to me carefully. Not everyone, I'm not, I'm not, I'm gonna talk to the people who just raised your hands. If you just raised your hand, if you just raised your hand, you pray that prayer. Just those of you that just raised your hand, would you just raise your head and just look at me just for a moment? Just look at me. <laughs> just look at me. If you prayed that prayer, just look at me. Well, I'm so proud of you. Don't be embarrassed. Just look at me. I'm so proud of you. It takes courage for a man to do it. I'm so proud of you. I wanna ask you to do one more thing though. At every campus, I want to pray with you. I just, I want, I, mean, I want you to take a public stand for Christ. Now listen to me, don't back out now. Don't let the devil win a victory in your life. You've done that before. If you gave your life to Christ, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. In just a moment, we're all going to stand. I'm going to ask you just to stand up and come right down here at the front and let me pray with you. Every campus, you just come to the front of the campus or front of the overflow room. It's very important. Here's the reason. Jesus said, if you'll take a stand for me, I'll take a stand for you before my father. If you want to ask your wife to come with you or someone that's with you, say, I need to go. Then, but make up your mind. You're going to give your life to Christ today. You're not going to let this, you're not going to let this go on anymore, all right? So if you gave your life to Christ, here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like everybody, every campus right now, stand up. And if you gave your life to Christ, when you stand up, just step out and come down and just come right down here to the front. Just say, come on, come on, everyone, let's stand. Let's stand. Every campus, just stand up. And if you gave your life to Christ, come on, come on, step out, come on. And just come right down here and stand right here. Don't don't wait to see if someone else is going to come. Come on. Come on. Come on. 
That's wonderful. Come on. And just, just face me. Come on. Come on. Come on. If you gave your life to the Lord, come on. Please don't be embarrassed. All right? Come on. Come on. Come on. If you, if you need a friend to come with you, come on. Come on. Come on. That's good. Come on. If you're in the second level, just make your way to the sides and just come right down here in front. And if you're at another campus, if you're at Grand Prairie, uh, Frisco, North Richmond Hills, North Fort Worth, come on, just come to the front. Just step out, come to the front. Come on. Come on, you're taking a stand for Christ. This is fantastic. This is fantastic. Come on. Come on. Anyone else? Come on. Come on. All right, let me let me talk to you just for a moment. And if you're if you're still coming, you can still come. If you want to come, you can still come. But I want to tell you, I'm so proud of you guys. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I'm looking at some of you and I can see on your face. I know it takes courage. I know it takes courage to come down front in front of a big crowd this size. But man, you can just give your life to God. It's totally changed from now on. It's totally changed. I'm gonna, I want, you need to come back next week because I'm gonna share more of my testimony and I, there's things I was involved in that God saved me out of. It's just a, a miracle. Same with you. God saved you. He changed you. Listen, if God can create this universe, and He can, He's got the power to change your life. It's not a hard thing for him at all. He can do it. All he needed was permission for you to give him your life. Here's what I want to do, okay? And with those of you who are watching another campus, I want to pray with you one more time, and I'm going to ask you to just pray out loud this time. Here's the reason. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, there's something about you saying the words with your mouth, all right? So I just want you to just repeat it after me out loud. And those of you at other campuses, and you're at the front, you do the same thing. So let's just say this prayer after me. Say, dear God, I receive Jesus as my Lord and as my Savior today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.